0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. As a quick heads up, I want to let you know that in my real life, you know, I'm Conrad, the mortgage guy, but we don't call our folks who help people save money, loan officers like they do at the bank. I always thought that sounded terrible. Instead, we want to be your mortgage advisor. In fact, we want to be your mortgage advisor for life. And we take that honor very seriously. Check out this 4.83 star review. That's right. 4.83 from Jeffrey in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He says, I had worked with you last year to refinance our home before the interest rates dropped. Your team reached out to me to do the process again, to save me more money and ensure that I had the best rate possible. I've never been treated as just another person on the to-do list. Even after I was done doing business, they were still looking to see that I was in the best financial place possible. We're going to go ahead and take a look at your whole financial situation and see if we can improve it. Maybe you've got equity in your house and you've got some high interest rate credit cards. We've probably got some mathematical solutions to get you out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. Maybe we take a look at your current homeowner's insurance and realize, hey, uh, that might be kind of high. You might need another quote. Maybe we're going to make sure that you filed homestead on your house to make sure you've got the best deal on your property taxes. Whatever your circumstance is, if it's home related, we're going to try to take a look and find a way to get you the best deal possible. Just like they say on old WWE programming then, now, and forever. You know, it's like they used to say, because when you're safe with Conrad, you're safe with Conrad for life. No, seriously, we want to help you save some cash, and we want to do it today at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, and you can skip your next two house payments. What are you waiting for? Get a quote right now. Find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com. I love talking about our friend, Steven singer. I'll tell you the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better. And he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer, the perfect price. That's right. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating head to Steven singer jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than a guy sitting next to you. And here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down, to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? Not the case at Steven singer because at Steven singer jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price.
1: Welcome to something to
0: wrestle with.
2: Welcome to, to wrestle with. Pritchard. Pritchard? Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She She put it. It. It rip. No, you yeah, have There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. And was he there? I was there. I don't
1: give a shit. I ain't scared I ain't scared of shit. Fuck him. Sh- you, Bruce. Ah, look. you. you take the cheese. you don't cheeseburger. You take the bread. Double
0: They're on the Google machine. Goddamn, kid. Goddamn it. What the hell show you got there? I need more. Ugh. yeah. What say you?
2: Pronouns, And now, something to wrestle with. Come, Bruce Richard. Eek the second most second.
0: Say about that? Well,
1: hey man, tell me how your arms look good night. Yeah, it's so big. Yeah, that's good. Welcome to wrestle, man. Huh. World title match. Welcome to something to wrestle something with. To wrestle. Something, to wrestle. something to
0: wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. with. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard, Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? You know, I'm gonna stop talking to you, uh, uh, pre, pre pod,
2: because you you anger me. I know what you do. I know. I, th- th- this is what I have figured out. Well, I have figured it out.
0: You're not really mad at me. You're mad at the. I'm
2: mad at you.
0: You're mad at the Observer Awards I, issue. I, no,
2: fuck that shit, man. I'm mad at you
0: because I brought it up.
2: Yes. You sat. You sat there with shitty grit on your face, and you fucking went through shit and just and I and it hurts. It hurts inside because when you laugh that fucking hard, your innards begin to to hurt.
0: Which one was the most egregious I'm for you? I'm not
2: me? even gonna comment on the fucking <laughs> goddamn. I mean, fuck me, you, everybody else, Jesus, fucking Christ!
0: You laughed out loud at a that few of them.
2: Thirty fucking minutes of my life I will never get back.
0: Wasn't thirty minutes.
2: It felt well. It felt like thirty hours.
0: Well, we're hoping that today doesn't feel that way. It's Saturday night's main event number thirty-two which took place, uh, March 18th, 2006 from the Cobo arena in Detroit, Michigan. It drew 7,000 fans. It's the second ever Saturday night's main event to go down in Michigan. The first one happened back in February of 87 at the Joe Lewis arena. We saw a, uh, battle Royal and a newly turned heel. Andre, the giant eliminate Hulk Hogan Help set up that legendary match the following month at WrestleMania three, but this is the first Saturday night main event. Since October of 92, I grew up on Saturday night's main event. I would, I remember as a kid, I would fall asleep and my uncle HR would come wake me up, buddy, it's turning on. It's coming on. You don't want to miss Hulk Hogan, but it was such a big part of my childhood. And a lot of kids listening to this felt the same way. It was a staple of WWF television on NBC from 85 to 92. And it actually aired as a replacement for when Saturday night live was on. Uh, I know you weren't there at the very beginning of the relationship and it's kind of funny how things come full circle in your professional life over and over again, what do you remember about, uh, NBC way back when in the WWF?
2: Well, um, you know, the early relationship when I came in was you had Dick Ebersol and his folks, uh, Lou Del Pratt and Matt McCarthy, <laughs> um, and And those folks that would come in just for the Saturday night's main event through the years after our studio was completed in nineteen eighty eight we kind of took over a lot more of that post production responsibility than than what the the uh Ebersole folks had, but look, you know when you look back in your career and you look back at different times and what you have learned and from who through the years, man, I learned so much from Dick Ebersole about television that it's not even funny, uh, nuance things that Dick would take the time to teach. And I would have these late night conversations with him where Dick wanted to learn as much about the wrestling business as he could from every single aspect and every Avenue I wanted to learn just as much about uh, television. I wanted to hear the stories about Rune Arledge and Monday Night Football, and I wanted to hear the stories of Saturday Night Live and different things. So I would pick Dick's boy. This going to sound. I would pick Dick's brain, uh, <laughs> you know, um, as much as I possibly could, and, and vice versa. So it was a learning experience more than anything for me, and. It was just pretty cool because it, it it's an introduction into network television, network broadcast television. That's a little bit different and not as forgiving as what we knew on cable cast back then. And especially, uh, in the eighties and the nineties.
0: The first time WWE airs on NBC in prime time is February 5th, 1988. We've talked about this a lot. It was called the main event did a 15.2 rating for Hogan versus Andre 33 million people tuned in to watch pro wrestling history. The three subsequent primetime specials did ratings of 11.6, 12.8, and 6.7, which shows that I fell off a cliff and we just recently broke all that down. When Saturday night's main event moves to the Fox network in 1992, it's canceled after the second one drew what was considered a poor rating of 6.1. Tell us about the transition from NBC to Fox. I know you weren't there for all of that, but I'm sure you've heard the stories over the years.
2: Well, it was just a logical extension and Fox was looking for programming and they had seen the success of the Saturday night main event and wanted to take that and put it on Fox. So it was the NBC deal was up. And they were no longer interested in doing a Saturday Night Live replacement, so Fox came along, and here we go. And any time that you move, whether you're moving nights, whether you're moving programming, whether you especially when you're moving uh, from stations, and right. you're, you're on one, you're on NBC, and now you're on Fox. People got to find you, and and it's tough to. Sometimes it's tough to cross promote and get that information out there and people don't think of it, you know, back in the day, you didn't think about, Oh, I watched that on NBC. No, you thought about, I watched that on channel two. And the Fox, you know, you didn't even think of a Fox cause Fox was still relatively new as far as a yeah. broadcast television show. So that was usually UHF and so that was channel 26. Okay. You, you didn't look at it like people go, Oh, did you see that on Bravo? I don't even know what number Bravo is on my TV. Right. So, but I, I'll find the network and then go to the show. Whereas before, when we only had a few stations, Connie, see, here's the thing you, you had stations and there was a knob on the TV and, and you had to physically get up out of your seat to turn the knob to the number. Of the station that you were trying to procure, and then around that knob was another little knob, that was a little looser that you had to kind of, you had to kind of wiggle a little bit to bring in and make the picture clear or move the antenna a little bit. There's a little different process than just mash a fucking button and all of a sudden, goddamn TV appears. How bullshit is that? Before we had to get up, turn the goddamn TV on, had a dial, UHF shit. You had, to, you had to flippy flop that shit all over the place. I bet you never, ever did that. Did you?
0: Yeah, I did. The TV I had, need liar. Oh no. We had knobs. I, well, I, anyway, I know. I, I really wanted to do a blue shoe spot right there, but we'll come back yeah. to it. Hey, let's yeah. talk about that second Fox. Saturday night main event. You're at that one. Uh, that happens, you know, in late 92, I think October. So you would have been there when the Fox deal sort of comes to an end. Do you remember being shocked that, Hey, this is the end of after just two of them, this is the end of Saturday night's main event on Fox. Or was it just business as usual?
2: It was business as usual more than anything, because there was no long-term commitment. It was an experiment anyway. And you take it for what it's worth and you move on down the road.
0: Let's talk about why it takes 14 years for it to come back. I mean, the product was hotter than hell just a few years later, you know, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, we don't actually see Saturday night's main event. Come back until 2006. Do you remember there being discussions or overtures from either side during the glory days of the attitude era?
2: I think that some of the stuff that was being done in the Attitude Era at the time, first of all, didn't lend itself to broadcast television. And I think that we would have had to tone it down so much and sanitize it so much to be on a network broadcast that I don't know that you would have gotten the same essence of what we were doing everywhere else and probably would have hurt. So, it was destination television on USA and it was someplace where people could go and they knew where to find their WWE. And I don't think that the, and especially during that time, I don't think that the networks were willing to pay the kind of money that it would have taken to get that done.
0: Let's uh, and, go ahead. And I don't think we needed it. No, I don't think you needed it either. I mean, It just feels like when, when people are looking for programming and you guys are consistently the most watched programs on cable, somebody might reach out, but you're probably right. You would have had to sanitize the product. It wouldn't have been the same. So let's go back and talk about when things were way different. Of course, everybody listening to this knows you showed up in the company just right after WrestleMania three Saturday night's main event had been on the air for about two years at that point. When you first saw, wait a minute, I was going to be wrestling on NBC. You're not working with the company. Did you recognize that that was a huge deal or was it easy from the outside looking in to, to sort of poke fun?
2: I think a little bit of both and the people that wanted to, I think poke fun lost sight of the realization that for the first time, in I don't know how many years that wrestling was on, you know, network television, broadcast network television and a prime slot. Um, wasn't prime time we yes, we did several of those prime time specials, but it still was a prime slot in that Saturday night main event slot that replaced the the Saturday night live shows. So, that was a big, big deal. That that was a huge deal. I think that a lot of people kind of poked fun at some of the tongue-in-cheek things that they did—the bombing for apples and chocolate, and sure. um, some of the outlandish shit they did. Elmer's wedding, and and Jesse looks like two Garp, you know, fighting over the same piece of corn or whatever the hell he said. Um, that was. But you had to, again, you can look at the business and become stagnant and just say, okay, well, that's the way that it is. And that's the way a lot of us were at the time. Oh, my God, you know, uh, this is killing the business. This is terrible. But then when you sit back and you see the success of what's taking place, and if you allow yourself to put your fan hat on, and you allow yourself not to analyze every single second of everything that's on the television show, and just sit back as people do to just watch it. And the show was entertaining, and it, and it was fun. So it's kind of you're looking at your your model going, ah, you know, we don't have to be this serious. We don't have to we don't have to do the blood and guts because look at what they're doing over here. They're not doing as much physicality-wise, but yet they were telling stories and they were uh, presenting some outlandish characters and outlandish situations that got people talking.
1: The family continues to grow daily at adfreeshows.com, and the feedback we keep hearing, Why didn't I do this earlier? ad-free shows is the place to be for all your favorite shows on video and the exclusive red hot conversations with Conrad as part one with Jim Crockett continues to climb in views and downloads plus all the other amazing bonus content including the sad news bears yes Conrad's infamous group chat has its own show and it's off the rails with characters like the Casio Kid, Dave Silva, Doodoo Trucking Zone, Jeff Jewett, the gimmick attorney Mike Dawkins and we can't forget the breakout star on water Dave huge Adidas guy so when Ric Flair signed with Adidas I was excited to see what they were going to come up with so yeah Ric Flair, yeah. Flair shoes, Ric Flair shoes on a bitch
0: that's the same ones he wore in 89 uh, I
1: think <laughs> I love how it's got. I love how it's got the little Ric Flair silhouette on there. It's got the RF down inside of it. It says, "I'm having a hard time keep holding these alligators down."
2: Does the other shoe have LF on it? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 that is the best dad joke I've heard. in. A really, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he was like. <laughs> <laughs> LF is for left foot for those still thinking about it. Listen, these guys talk current wrestling, past wrestling, wrestling belts, and so many other topics in an entertaining way. So become a part of the family now. Enjoy this and so many other exclusive shows and events by making the decision to sign up today to join the fastest growing wrestling community at adfreeshows.com. Let's uh, let's talk
0: about the perception outside of the business for a minute and just your perception. When you see some of the Gaga of Saturday night's main event, do you think, oh, well, that's why, that's why we're real wrestling. Our fans are in the arenas buying tickets and we're not, we're not doing the cartoon stuff that McMahon is doing. I mean, that's probably what everybody in the business was saying stuff along those lines, because they're trying to find a way to sort of justify how it's okay that their promotion isn't on NBC, right?
2: Yeah, sure. You look for excuses and you look for any reason why you know. Okay, well they're successful. Well, well here's why they're successful in that. Yeah, uh, because they're doing that. We would never do that because we have real athletes and uh, we really beat the shit out of people with chairs. Because like, come on, man. It's you can tell me. Okay, our matches are still predetermined you don't want to whisper that because then people would know oh my god their shit's not right either um everybody was presenting the same product they presented it in a different way they presented it in a more entertaining way and made their stars larger than life and i think that people gravitated Toward the characters because they were larger than life. And it was new. It wasn't two old bald headed guys that, you know, thumbs in that were shooting and going out having a wrestling match in Iowa. Hey, great, man. They love that. Sometimes Uh I love that, but, When you got a variety of a bunch of, bunch of stuff, then it's different. It's, it's no different than do you want to see an entire lucha card of just flip-flopping and flying with very little psychology in Mexico. They prefer that. Sure. But I don't know that that sells in uh, other parts of the world as well as it does in
0: Mexico. What does a guy like Paul Bosch think of Saturday night's main event? Do you recall? Hated it. Really? Hated it would sit there with a
2: notepad and make notes on it and would make notes about some of the outlandish things that Gene Okerlund would say. He loved to listen to Okerlund interviews, and he would uh, put his Betamax in, and he would tape it. And for those of you that don't know what a Betamax is, (laughs) it was a precursor to the DVR, but it was a machine that you actually had to put tape in, and you actually had to – push play and record at the same time while the program that you wanted to record was on and make sure that your channels matched up and, and what have you. Paul would go back and listen to Okerlin and listen to some of Vince's claims and and commentary throughout the night and write them down. Oh, well, would you believe they said this? And, and just things like that. He would come in on a Monday morning and write it all out and, and just go nuts with pages of, I've got it. Um, some of it's hilarious, what he would pick out of their promotion on a Saturday night's main event.
0: It is pretty amazing when you think about how much the business was changing and how much of it was because of the WWE. I'm sure you watched it with, uh, through Bosch's eyes and you certainly heard his take, but you had to see the writing on the wall clearly because you would wind up working there eventually, but. Before you were part of the company, did do you remember a special moment or match uh, that happened on the Saturday night's main event that really stood out where you were like, oh shit, that was good. Or that was bad in a funny way.
2: Well, I, the one thing that I always, because I, I think I've probably already said it twice on, on this show is I always remembered the damn Halloween show and everybody dressed up in the costumes and the bobbing for apples and the chocolate and Just how absurd that that was And why is this on the show But you also have to understand I was a part of that demographic I was 22 years old 21, 22 years old When all that started And looking at it Through those eyes Of yes, I grew up On, by God Dory Funk Jr., Wahoo McDaniel Johnny Valentine, Jose Lothario Gino Hernandez And fucking all these badasses this shit's real. God damn it.
0: Yeah. Um, but the Halloween thing, you did mention it a few times, but I kept thinking, yeah. Oh, it was this promo or that promo, but the Halloween thing that's it, it
2: that whole night was just great. The costumes and shit and, 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 the, uh, the theme, I guess, more than anything of how the shows would be themed and, and put together was, was fun. And, and it was interesting. So you would, you would have to sit there and watch and you would wait to the end, I couldn't tell you one match at all that really stood out that, oh, my God, that was a great fucking match because you were just watching to see how everything was going to be forwarded um, and take it from there. Uh, the the Saturday night's main event from, I think it was Phoenix or Tucson, where Morocco, they crushed Hogan in the corner, and it was the Bundy angle. yeah, And those kind of things, that was – that was fun stuff.
0: Is there anything funnier than the iron Sheik dressed up like uh, Batman?
2: No, <laughs> no, it's great. It is absolutely. I mean, just a fucking Piper is Robin or whatever the hell he was.
0: Yeah. I think he I was mean, Superman. That, that shit's hilarious. It is fun. Uh, tell me about we well, you've told us before that Dick was everywhere. Uh, not just in the locker room, but in Gorilla, I and mean, everywhere that you needed NBC to have a hand in the early Saturday night main event production. How can you compare sort of the eighties and nineties feel and vibe of an NBC Saturday night main event versus here in 06? How different was it? If at all,
2: I think that in 06, there was a little bit more, more reliant on the product itself and and the wrestling and what we were presenting on television on a regular basis. Earlier on, when you tuned into Saturday night's main event, it had a completely different feel and a different look and um, a little more gaga. However, at the same time, during the early Saturday night's main event, you had TNT on USA, which was a talk show which had its ludicrous and absurd, Um, entertainment side to it and Saturday night's main event gave that to, to the whole world on broadcast television. And by 2006, you're looking at it through different eyeballs and you're looking at it from the standpoint of we've matured, we've grown up, and this is the product we want to present now.
0: How far in advance of this show in 2006, would the discussion have started with WWE, if you had to guess, is this. Weeks, months, years, because the timing of it happening right before WrestleMania feels like it's exactly part of a long-term WWE plan.
2: I think that negotiations were always going on with somebody, right. And just timing being more than anything, right time, right place. I don't know that it was any one thing in particular because constantly you're always negotiating and you're always looking for something with somebody, if you're doing it right. And it just happens. Hey, when would be the best time? Well, shit, every year, the best time is going to be right before WrestleMania, where you want to get the most eyeballs to your biggest show of the year.
0: And we're a few weeks away here from WrestleMania 22, which went down on April 2nd in Chicago. That's where we'd see John Cena retain his WWE title, beating triple H. We'd also see Rob Van Dam win the money in the bank briefcase. We'd see edge beat Mick Foley and a lot of other stuff we'll talk about later this year, I'm sure. But it is quite a coup to get this show on the air right before your big show. Uh, Jim Ross is coming back to the dance. He's brought back to do commentary on Saturday night's main event. He'd been removed from TV earlier in 2006. Ross would tell wb.com that he doesn't see this as a sign. He's asked to return to raw as the main host. He says he's watched every edition of raw since he was fired on the air, but watching the show and not being able to be a part of it was also tough but it didn't kill me. And I made it through a lot of that is psychological games. Anyway, when you've been in the wrestling game for 33 years and you've worked with strong personalities that I have since day one, you're able to absorb the bombastic treatment that you occasionally get. So JR is coming back here. Uh, we know the, the whole rigmarole about him getting fired on various different angles. We'll talk about that another time. We already have some in the past, but. Was this an NBC call or did, did Vince just feel like, God damn, it's NBC. We need to get the black hat out there.
2: I think it was more of a looking at the show and how to make the show different from what we were currently presenting. And by putting on Jr, who was not the play by play guy at that time. Uh, for Monday night, raw, it was different. So you wanted it to be different than what you were presenting on cable and what you're presenting on your main show and JR enabled us to do that.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk about Jim Ross in this era. He's sort of winding down his, uh, his career with the WWE here. He's still got a few years left, but he's no longer on TV every single week. Uh, he's no longer as big of a part or as big of a voice in the office as he used to be. What was his relationship like with Vince at this point, if you had to guess?
2: I think his relationship was fine. And, you know, Jim, look, sometimes, you know, you're out of sight, out of mind. And if you're not there every day, and I found this myself in 2001 when I left, when I left to go move to Texas it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. I saw people at TV. I saw people every, you know, couple of weeks instead of every day. Right. So if, if you're not there, then things pass you by and and you expect other people to keep you informed and keep you updated on things. They've got their own shit to do and they're, they're moving on and they're doing things. And sometimes it's easier to just do it yourself if you're there than to go and call somebody and say, hey, will this happen today? Need you to do this? Need you to do that? Um, you rely on the people in front
1: of you. Get your Something to Wrestle gear at brucepritchard.com and check out boxagimmicks.com, of the official Something to Wrestle store, where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. Let's
0: talk about uh, some news and notes as we head into this Saturday night's main event. Wade Keller would report that the WWE is going to announce a broad WWE talent wellness program. It's going to prohibit non-medical use and associate abuse of prescription medication and performance enhancing drugs, as well as the use of and distribution of illegal drugs. All of the using, uh, or using of masking agents is also prohibited. Uh, and they, uh, catch all the talent up about this new policy before the raw SmackDown super show taping. Uh, that happened in Washington, DC, uh, Vince McMahon leads the meeting and they announced that David L black is going to be heading up the administering of the testing. And a lot of people are of the opinion that this policy is in direct response to the passing of Eddie Guerrero. Uh, they even lay out, um, for instance, steroids are found in the system that the amount would diminish over time in future tests. It takes months for steroids to completely leave your system. So in theory, you would always have, well, not always, but for a considerable amount of time, have smaller trace amounts of steroids in your test. So they need to see that taper off if they catch you there. And it's written from there, a positive test for a continued use of any prohibited substance will result in a 30 day suspension without pay. A second positive test is a 60 day suspension also without pay or inpatient care, if the doctor so determines. And the third positive is a termination. And if you're caught with illegal substances or show up under the influence of chemicals, including alcohol at the workplace, you're going to be subject to fines, suspensions, and termination. Uh, and they've also got a cardiovascular aspect of this wellness program. And that's the part that I don't think we talked about enough because when people say this policy is in direct response from Eddie Guerrero's passing, I think they automatically jumped to conclusions that Eddie died of this or that Eddie had a heart issue and the company and nor Eddie knew about it. So this cardiovascular testing as part of this wellness policy is probably a game changer for the company, right?
2: It is. And it was something that was brought to light, obviously with Eddie. And you, you see the condition of his heart and, and Eddie didn't know and company didn't know. Um, and the question was, well, a guy that was as was in as good a shape as Eddie Guerrero appeared to be, um, and performing at a level that he performed every single night, there were no indications. So, instituting a wellness policy that incorporated all things wellness, uh, from your mental health to your physical health, everything in between, and have that monitored and be a resource for talent versus looking at it as a, you know, not looking at it, ooh, this is the drug policy. That's not what it was at all. This was a policy of, okay, guys, how can we be, you know, the healthiest that you can be? And if you have underlying conditions, then if we do regular testing, we are going to discover those conditions a whole lot sooner. Um, that's the general understanding that I have of it. And it was done to help talent and be able to be in front of things and not look at something like, Oh my God, I, I didn't know that was there. Um, because a lot of times guys were on the road so often to have a family doctor and have time to actually go to a doctor and get checked up. They're just going to keep going. They're going to keep moving on. This instituted a policy and this instituted testing, um, overall testing for them that would help them and, and be a source for them to catch shit early on.
0: Well, I'm glad it happened. You know, I hate that. Uh, excuse me. We had to lose Eddie, but I'm really excited that some positive change came from that. Um, let's talk about Dick's release for fighting the Dick's. Uh Tank Toland and uh, Chad Can get Wicks.
2: released Dicks were fighting. If Who's the dick?
0: If the Dicks fight, they're getting cut. Ooh. Just saying
2: that's, that's pretty fucking harsh. That's the Rain of Bobbit shit.
0: No, oh, no, no. Different kind. This oh. is Tank Toland and uh or Tolland and Chad Wicks. Uh, they're gonna be uh no longer pals. I guess they had a fight between them and the result of that was they're cut. Uh, apparently Chad was a subject of uh, constant hazing and ribbing from a number of the veterans including allegedly JBL Chris Benoit and the Undertaker. Apparently he was an easy target and his reactions brought it to even more ribbing. And you've often talked about here on the show don't sell it, right? Like if JR got ribbed and he quote unquote sold it, meaning he acknowledged the rib and you know he 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 really was Um, showing how stressful it was or how annoyed he was or whatever, or how put out he was, it just made everybody want to do it more. Right.
2: Well, yeah, those, uh, that's the satisfaction of it. Yeah. So if you don't sell, then that's no fun, but I don't, you know, look at good Lord. I, I think that the hazing and the, the culture of good, Just even 10 years ago, uh, much less, you know, 15 years ago, much less 30 years ago, the the times change. Um, Good Lord, when you go back and think about what locker rooms were like in the 1970s, (laughs) a little bit different than what they are in 2021, much less in 2006, much less in 1995.
0: The, uh, the report from the torch says, quote, the rivers in the locker room were like sharks. They smell blood said one WWE locker room source. It's a pack mentality. Chad handled the ribbing poorly and his complaining and reactions to it made tank Toland, AKA James Dick feel like he was putting their jobs in jeopardy. It led to a fight between them during which Toland punched wicks while there was a small chance Toland might've been spared. Even if wicks were released, the fight put WWE management in a tough spot because they couldn't justify firing the guy who got punched and not the wrestler who did the punching, uh, what do you remember about the dicks no longer being in WWE?
2: Well, I think that they just kind of brought it on, on themselves from the standpoint of, again, you can't be fighting with each other and. I think it was, there was a level of immaturity on, on every side, uh, in this regard, because I don't know that Chad really was, was very young. And I just don't know that he, he was very naive and and, and I don't know that he was ready to be in that environment. I don't know. He's mature enough to be in that environment. I think tank was, uh, a lot more mature. And I'm just frustrated, but I don't know that either was going to be a megastar by any stretch of the imagination. They both have unique looks and unfortunately it didn't work out.
0: No, it didn't. Let's talk about some other news and notes as we head in here. The company is doing pretty well. They report 103 million in total revenues for the third quarter, uh, compared to the, uh, third quarter of the prior year. This is a 25% increase in revenues. So while we're not quite where we are these days, year over year, we're looking pretty good here. Do you remember the tone and tenor of the office being, Hey, we're headed in a good direction in, in early 06.
2: I think in, in general, there was a good feeling, but man, during, during those times, and especially during this time, it's they're doing their thing and and we're doing our thing and we're just, you know, doing the creative writing, the television and moving on. It wasn't that involved in, in everything, uh, other than sitting in that writer's room, uh, maybe a week, a month and being on conference calls and kind of overseeing both shows
0: as a frame of reference here, the WWE was charging approximately $63 per ticket. So it's an average ticket price of 63 bucks. They're averaging $440,000 per event internationally. So still really, really strong gates there. The stock price year over year also up this time in 05, the stock was around $12. Now it's $16. It just feels like, man, we're headed in the right direction. DVD sales back when that was a thing, are actually pretty good too. uh, the rest okay, of- kids
2: with a DVD is, <laughs> is okay. First, first you had your Betamax and what you did. Cause you you couldn't really record? Could you record television on DVDs?
0: Uh, no, not really. You needed a computer, but you sort of skipped VCRs in there. You went Betamax well, straight to DVD. There was Beta.
2: There was Betamax, and then there was the VCR. Yep. And and then you had the laser
0: discs. I hated and those. Then CDs. I like the well, DVD. I like the DVDs. DVD. I like the Blu-rays. I never got into laser disc, although I do have thanks to one of our listeners. A no holds barred laser disc, which is kind of cool.
2: Yeah, that's pretty damn cool.
0: The Undertaker DVD comes the
2: a, What was that? They were all the future.
0: Oh yeah, everything. You know, if you remember, there was an HD DVD and a Blu-ray DVD, and I think porn went with Blu-ray, so that's what won the race. Well, it, fuck yeah! Isn't it crazy? Like whatever, whatever. Where porn goes, so does media.
2: Well,
0: you know, <laughs> uh, the undertaker DVD is the highest selling non pay-per-view DVD of all time. At this point, point. 217,000 units sold. Let's get into uh, Saturday night's main event. I guess we should mention before the actual show goes live, there's a dark match and it's big show beating Carlito two guys who, uh, were recently in WWE and no longer are. I don't know. We don't talk about current stuff, but dude, how great did Carlito look for his brief little run earlier this year?
2: Beautiful. Looked like he had spent some time on the Island.
0: My goodness. looked uh, like a new guy. Uh, were you surprised to see uh, big show? wind up, uh, leaving WWE. Wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it's kind of weird that everybody got territorial one way or another. Uh, if he's got an opportunity and he's making money and having fun, more power to him. Uh, Jim Ross received a strong reaction from the live crowd when he's introduced. The show begins with the, uh, quote, traditional yet contrived rapid fire promos from the key participants in the show. You can't really do a Saturday night's main event without that bit. I don't think it's classic.
2: Yes, it is. And and it, you know, that was a bit of nostalgia and a bit of a throwback to what the original was. And I, you're right. It wouldn't have been the same if you didn't do that.
0: We see Vince and Shane standing in front of Vince's muscle and fitness magazine cover once upon a time. He had that framed and hanging in his office. Is he still pretty proud of that magazine cover? Not so much.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's hanging up here right now. Yeah, oh, right I'm, there. I, I
0: I know Stephanie told me that she hung it over y'all's bed. Cause you needed motivation every now and again. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't put new pictures up. I
0: did. You I keep did telling me that, that yeah, but I, I can't see what you're looking at, but I, believe I did.
2: You. I looked look, you're, there. You are. I got a new one of you and I, it's a, it's a nice one. I don't even know where the hell we were, but it's like one of my favorite pictures. Is in, it the one the where shoot. I'm
0: standing I, behind you? Yeah. That was in LA. Am I wearing a white short sleeve shirt? No. Okay. I don't know then. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's talk about the promos here. We see some old school promos like the days of Saturday night's main events, glory days, Sean says, if I'm going down, Shane is coming with me. Uh Hunter says he's going to be champion again at WrestleMania when he beats John Cena. Q to Cena saying uh Triple H is tagging with the champ tonight. Uh JBL admits it was a bad idea to challenge Steve Austin to a beer drinking contest, but he's going to teach him something. And of course the boogeyman reminds us that he's coming to get us. The boogeyman I'm
2: the boogeyman and I'm coming
0: to get you. Did you love shooting those that feels like that would have been right up your alley
2: oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not yeah i did but i'm not sure i'm allowed to say everything about how we shot those
0: you know well no you this, can't say that you can't do that on the show god damn it come on
2: worm handlers are brutal we actually okay wait 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 wait
0: worm no. handlers? you there was yeah, a you person worm handlers You couldn't just have somebody like Bruno couldn't just go down to the store. You had to have a worm person. Well, see, we did that at first. Just had Bruno go to the store, go, go down to the bait shop and buy all the
2: fucking worms you can buy. Yeah. I thought that's what you would do. You can't do that on TV, man.
0: Oh, you have to have a worm person. You got to have a worm handler. Well, how do you go about, don't you say worm handlers are us? How do you find a worm handler?
2: that's what you do is you fucking go to worm handlers are us and shit, but they have to be a certain kind of worm and they have to be organic. And yeah, you have to have a worm handler on set.
0: I just, um, I just Googled it. That. This is a real thing. Worm yeah. handlers are a real thing. Yeah. How did I yeah. not know this?
2: how the fuck's everybody not know this, man, but they're a sick bunch too.
0: Yeah. I saw someone else refer to them as maggot men. Tell, yeah. tell, tell me about a worm handler. I you know you said you can't, but you got to give us something.
2: Well, I mean, it's like, um, we wanted to do a shoot. The guy told us, oh, you should get glow worms for that. I said, what are glow worms? He said, Oh man, they'll fucking glow and they'll light up, you know, everything. You can see them outside, man. They'll glow when it's cool when they're crawling all over each other and everything. So, I, I it might have been Layfield, I don't know, but I was doing something with, with Boogeyman. We wanted to do the glowing worms outside. And so I ordered glowing worms. I said, Yeah, I said, Let me, let me get some of them glowing worms. I'll, I'll take. I'll take like 45 pounds of glowing worms. I'll take like 30 pounds of like the non glowing worms. And, uh, they, they sprinkle them with shit. They sprinkle shit on them to make them glow. And then right before you, you get ready to, uh, have you ever purged crawfish?
0: No, I don't even know what that means. Eat pork, pork, pork,
2: I, I don't eat mud bugs. I love me some mud bugs, but you got to purge them. So what does that mean
0: though?
2: You, you, When you purge mud bugs, you, you put your, um, uh, you put your crawfish in like a big old ice chest. All right. Yeah. And then you pour water on them. You, you rinse them with, with clean water. Cause they've been in the mud. They've been in shit water and shit. In goddamn Louisiana. So then you get them in the thing and you clean them because they're full of shit, literally. Then you purge them and you salt them. So when you salt them, that makes them shit. So they, they get all the shit out of them. And then you run the water all over them and wash all that shit out. So you do a couple cycles like that. And then you get the clean, you know, non shitty Crawfish, gotta purge crawfish, man. Gotta purge crawfish. That that bullshit, man. The motherfuckers, they don't purge them. I'll send that shit back. I want this non-purge, goddamn crawfish shit. Who
0: who taught you about sucking the head and all that?
2: Oh, that'd be Scott Hay. Really? Hey daddy, Ray Hayes, Cajun Po' Boys. No, listen. Like, I, I, more I... That. yeah, you gotta rip the head, suck the head, eat the tail.
0: I mean, I've had crawfish a bunch, yeah. but usually you in a dish, head, I, tail. I did the whole deal. Like you're talking about one time. And I was like, this is a lot of work for something I don't really enjoy.
2: That's because you had a shitty teacher. You didn't have someone teach you how to do that shit. And you know, bam, bam,
0: boom. What are the odds we could do a crawfish boil? Me, you and Vince one day.
2: Uh, that'd be slim to none, yeah. That'd be having to eat shit with his fingers. Nearly. I was just
0: <laughs> there's no chance he's doing this. Yeah. You do and then what? I
2: have to be on a day that I had a manicure scheduled either later <laughs> in the day or the next day. Because, And I wear gloves, too, when I eat my crawfish.
0: Why do you do that? So don't fuck up my manicure. What the, f- who are you? You've moved to Stanford and, you're and it fucking- doesn't,
2: and, but no, it doesn't get your hands all dirty and get that fucking, if they're really hot, it'll like start burning your fingers.
0: You've been hanging out with Vince too much. I'm, he I'm don't need you don't eat
2: no fucking crawfish.
0: I'm, I know, but now you're like, oh, I got a fresh. I've been wearing gloves eating crawfish for years,
2: dog. Come on now. All
0: I'm right. a pro. Let's talk about the match here. We got Triple H and John Cena. Well, wait a
2: minute. We're there. talking about goddamn worm handlers. Then they'd fucking sprinkle this goddamn glow <laughs> shit on there, and then they go, "Hey, you want to see something cool?" Then they'd fucking throw the salt on them, and then they really start moving and shitting everywhere. And I mean, but they you get a lot of movement out of them. And they go, "Oh, you can only do that. Like you, we, we can only do that three or four times. Then we got to get a new batch in here because that could kill them." You're the worm hammer motherfucker. You're the guy we got to have on the set to make sure we're not mistreating worms.
0: Yeah, but, but they were in fact mistreating worms. Yeah, that's a real conversation. I want to give a heads up, you know, on all of my commercials for save with Conrad.com, you hear me say you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. I say that because I want you to understand we're going to work with you right now. Even if you don't qualify right now. You see, we don't believe in no at First Family Mortgage. We believe in not yet. But don't take my word on that. Check out this five-star review from Nathan in Hobart, Indiana. He says, the level of personal service I received was fantastic. When I first contacted your office, I was not ready to get the best rate. Frances made a point to check with me every few months, just like she said she would during our initial call. Finally, my wife and I were ready, and the process was smooth sailing after that. Thank you all so much for saving us $300 a month. And lowering our interest rate from 4.65 to 3.125 most of all thank you for being nice people everyone we dealt with was great the idea is even if your circumstance isn't right just yet we're going to work with you and get you some advice on how to increase your credit score increase your buying power just get you on the right path to home ownership we're not going to treat you like the big banks do like you're just another number this is first family mortgage and you're our podcast family and we want to help you save some cash and get on the right track for what your short-term goals are and your long-term goals. If you're looking to save money each and every month, we can help at savewithconrad.com. If you're looking to consolidate all of your debt and get it down into one monthly payment and kiss those high interest rate credit cards goodbye forever, we can help you at savewithconrad.com. If you're looking to pay your house off faster, we can do it at savewithconrad.com. Or maybe you're just looking to buy your first home and you're not exactly sure where to start, you start at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. No matter your circumstance, savewithconrad.com can help you get a plan. Okay, well, let's talk about the match here. Uh, anything else you need to tell us about worm handlers? Because I feel like you might be a worm handling expert now. No, no,
2: I'm not a worm handling. I tell you what, though, but uh, Crawdads, we're going to purchase some crawfish. They got good crawfish there in Huntsville. We're going to have to go to Houston to
0: do that. I'm down.
2: Yeah. Spicy. Got to be spicy.
0: Let's talk about the match shit.
2: So like when you like kissing Megan and shit on her lips, get burnt. Then she's doing this shit all the rest of the night.
0: This is the grossest something to wrestle we've ever done. Thank you. Uh, triple H and John Cena. Can I talk about the you match?
2: Get ahead. Remember that? Okay.
0: <laughs> no, I just did. I, hey, by God, we've been on time, like three weeks in a row. People <laughs> don't know what to think. <laughs> I did, that's just because I have no
2: idea where I am. Yeah. Okay. I got an hour there. I'll go fucking do it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Whatever you
0: want. Connie, I- let me tell you about worms 30 minutes yeah. later after we learn about crawfish. <laughs> yeah.
2: Hey hey Connie, everyone liked that crawfish show we did a lot of the other week. That was a good one.
0: Triple H and Cena on one side, Angle, Mysterio and Orton on the other. It's two on three. Full ring introductions took place to start the show. You're really uh setting the tone for that, introducing to this broadcast audience who these guys are. They're superstars, they've got big entrances. They go eleven minutes and forty-two seconds. Um Orton goes for an RKO. Cena reverses it, rolls him up into a pin out of nowhere. Hunter looks on, disappointed that Cena won without him. And Meltzer would say, or Wade would say, rather, good use of the main stars early on, but Raw overshadowed SmackDown, especially Ray. Two and a quarter stars. I don't know about that, man. I mean, you've always told us before, you know, in Saturday night's main event, you get your main event out there first, early. It's as close to prime time as you can be. Just being in this match is pretty cool. Uh, I don't know about whole, the whole overshadowing. Um, what do you think?
2: Nah, I thought it was fucking perfect. You get out there, you get out front you get out with your main stories and you tell those damn stories and you get them to the largest audience. Cause you're fighting sleep. Yes. People get sleepy. Some people, when they get sleepy, go to bed. Not you. Other people, when they get sleepy, just get to fucking hide their goddamn yawns and keep going and say, nah, fuck, man, I'm good. Let's, let's talk. Just to- say, let's sit here and talk about this for another fucking 19 hours. Same goddamn thing. I don't want to talk about anything else just for 19 fucking hours,
0: whatever it is.
2: Cause I don't like the screws on that goddamn handle either. Kurt, Ang- you know men-
0: huh? Kurt-, Kurt Angle yeah, is going to leave later this year. Yeah. How was he to deal with here in uh March of twenty sixteen? You know
2: twenty oh six, not six yeah
0: yeah, yeah, sorry. Two
2: thousand sixteen. I was with you in sixteen, having a heart attacks <laughs> and shit. <laughs>
0: Creating podcast magic. Yes. Chat me up a, though. Seriously. First year we were the goddamn podcast of the year.
2: Chat me up. Chat me up. I did it Go for on. you.
0: I did it for you. Angle. Early 06. How was he?
2: Hey, can I do a quick shout out just cause I'm
0: sorry. I'm all, am I all over the place today? I, I like it when you are, you know, okay, some, cool, sometimes like I record.
2: You got to throw a
0: shout out though. Let's do it.
2: Ed Kosky had his, uh, gallbladder removed at gallbladder surgery this week. Oh, and I shit. just got to do a, do a, you know, so, so chat me up about Ed Kosky's gallbladder, uh, who, surgery.
0: Who did Kosky's gallbladder ever beat?
2: Uh, nobody because you know why? Cause he got stones
0: It, it beat him.
2: <laughs> That's <who> it beat. <laughs> beat it. Beat it. Won't you get the phone can beat it. Yeah. What, I
0: don't know how the fuck that song goes. When you were with him. Did, I mean, were you with him when he had an attack or whatever? No, I just punched him in his gallbladder. and sent him to the hospital. So yeah. undertaker used to have a heart punch. You had a gallbladder punch.
2: I got, I got a gallbladder punch. That's That's because his wife likes me more.
0: You know, given the hours you guys work, his wife probably likes everyone more.
2: Yeah. I'm not, I don't think I'm at the top of that list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm on a list. I just don't think I'm on that list. I get it. So shout out to, you know, we chatted Ed up a little bit. Make it makes his gallbladder feel a
0: little bit. You know what I'm going to do next time you're not available to tape? I'm just going to call Ed.
2: It would be great. Yeah, what do well, you think I get my information from?
0: I know you say, <laughs> Hey, I'm talking to Conrad about that first Saturday night's main event. What do you remember about that? Yeah.
2: Uh, help a brother out here. I want do your own fucking research. I'm busy. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to call him, put a voice changer gimmick on him. It'll be great. Okay. He can do me. Chat me up. I'm I'm doing it for him over and over. Kurt angle. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep asking until you tell me. You know
2: kurt was Kurt was in a bad way, and Kurt was look Kurt wasn't a problem from the standpoint of being difficult to deal with right um, You know he could be a little picky, could be a little whiny and and things like that, but for the most part, you could get there with Kurt and you, you could talk things through with Kurt and eventually it would become his own idea, and he would think that he came up with it. Uh, but Kurt was going through a rough patch in his life, and, and going through uh, some addiction and demons, as we say. But uh, thank God he got over that, and moved on. But this was not a good time to be Kurt Angle. It was, he was, he was not there. He just wasn't there mentally,
0: and um, he's burnt out. He was burnout bad. You said he w- he could be a little whiny. Do you mean about the creative?
2: What I mean is is that Kurt could get into a situation or let himself get into a situation where he would doubt everything. Whiny is probably a bad a bad descriptor, but he would just question everything.
0: So paranoia, not not macho man level, but some right.
2: I think so. And I think it was just uh, a time in Kurt's life that for whatever reason, he he had allowed those demons to come out and they had been able to take over and wasn't a good look.
0: What was Vince? Where was Vince on Mysterio in 06 here?
2: I think that by this shit, I think Mysterio was one of those guys that you couldn't do without. Which, you know, Ray had a way of coming in and wherever he was, whatever he did, I think that Ray Mysterio was that special kind of a talent that every time he he can go out every night, he could lose every single night and still people are happy to see him because he's Ray Mysterio and he delivers every time he's out there.
0: I ask because this is when we're about to make Ray Mysterio the man. As a reminder, it's Triple H and John Cena in singles action for one of the titles, uh, the raw title on, um, on WrestleMania, but it's a three-way on the other side. And it's these three guys, Kurt Angle, Ray Mysterio and Randy Orton and Mysterio and Randy Orton had famously just come off of their 80s in hell promo. Uh, and it just feels like Vince is maybe not all the way sold on Ray, but he's at least going to try it. Um, when do you think, or was there a moment where sort of, The switch flipped with Vince on Ray, where he went from being too small to wait a minute, he's really, really connecting with the audience. What if we put the belt on him?
2: Uh, you know, Pat Patterson was probably one of the people that was very vocal about what to do with Ray and when to do it and and why not Ray. So every time that Ray went out, you heard the audience and you just saw the reactions that Ray was getting that. The audience wanted, you know, they, they wanted them some more Ray Mysterio. So it was kind of hard to deny it.
0: No doubt. And he's going to become one of the biggest stars they ever had, uh, backstage, we're going to see a doctor tending to Booker T who claimed he had re-injured his knee and could not wrestle against the boogeyman.
2: Bad it's- injury, really bad, bad injury too. bad. This is serious injury. Probably he could be on the shelf for at least eight, nine minutes. <laughs>
0: Charmelle's defending her husband here. Teddy long solemnly agrees to drop the match after the doctor confirmed Booker's injury, Booker and Charmelle walk out of the locker room and smile to the camera, knowing they've escaped the boogeyman. And next up we get edge and Lita coming to the ring for a cutting edge segment. And the ring is covered in hardcore weaponry. Uh, edge says that Foley isn't the hardcore legend anymore. For those of you just tuning in, Mick Foley has gone from a hardcore legend to a cuddly teddy bear. His latest shtick is he'll come out here and say the name of your city to get a reaction from you idiots because that's the only way he can get a reaction these days. Edge called Foley a chicken, and of course, Foley answered the challenge. Edge lit a table on fire, and a stagehand quickly put it out. Foley littered the ring with thumbtacks, then Edge slammed Foley into the tacks. Foley tasted the blood on his face, then quickly sat up and smiled. He chased Edge and led it to the entrance ramp. Lita could only watch as Foley gave edge a concerto. This is a lot of violence and a lot of props and stuff. I didn't think we'd get to see on NBC. Do you remember that being a negotiation process or not so much? No,
2: no, it was, that, that was the product at the time. And you know, it, it's, it's funny. The, the table, spot with the lighting, I never got that. Yeah. It's okay. They go through the table. The, the fire goes out. Yeah. Okay. Great. Sometimes people catch on fire and shit. And it's like, okay. Great. Um, I just was never a fan of it. And um, this was during the time, you know, of Mick coming back and Mick looking for that WrestleMania moment and Edge looking for his WrestleMania moment in real life that we were able to portray on. On the screen and made for some damn good, interesting television.
0: I, I I'm kind of surprised that thumbtacks and fire and all of that would, uh, would get a pass, but I guess it's not that big a deal. Consider the time. We did see a, uh, a long recap of the whole Vince McMahon versus Shawn Michaels feud for their WrestleMania match. Of course we know. We've got a big tag match coming up after WrestleMania. Vince really liked getting involved with the talent. I mean, of course, first of all, it was all about him and stone cold. And then eventually it was about him and Hogan. Uh, I guess somewhere in there it was him and flair too, but now him and Shawn Michaels, does Vince sort of insert himself in these spots and say, what if, or does someone bring it to him? And he has to be talked into these type of situations.
2: Most of the times he had to be talked into. Do you think you it would a- always start with somebody else? Right. And no, God damn it, I'm too old to be on TV. I don't want to be on TV. Put somebody else on there. That got it's going to I'm not going to make the live events, get somebody on there. That's going to do that. And then it's okay. Well, what if we did this? So it usually took a little bit of talking.
0: I think everybody remembers and considers the stuff he did with Austin to be the very best, uh, and then maybe under that, the Hogan stuff, where does the Shawn Michaels stuff fall for you and for him? Cause I know they had a, a very special relationship in real life.
2: Um, different. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. The whole God stuff and everything. And, uh, it was interesting to say the least.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk about what we see backstage next. It's Booker T and Charmel bragging about fooling the doctor and Teddy.
2: Oh, son of a bitch
0: boogeyman lowers himself from the ceiling scares. Booker who's only in a towel. Charmel herself is only half dressed booker and Charmel run out of the locker room to get away from the boogeyman. And, uh, then prior to the beer drinking contest between Austin and JBL, JBL's cutting an anti Detroit promo, got to hammer home that he's a bad guy and Austin enters the ring where a table was lined with cups of beer. And Austin says he's very thirsty. He sarcastically does a double take and acknowledges JBL's presence, then shook his hand. And then Austin asked him why he challenged him to a beer drinking contest. And JBL said, because he failed to list among him, Texas is all easy for me to say all time, great wrestlers. And he says, I'm going to beat you at your own game. Any chance you can get Steve Austin on NBC. You jump at, right? How do we land on a drinking contest?
2: Why the hell not? It's what they both did best. Might as well highlight, highlight what you do best.
0: Austin tells a great story about having eggs with uh, beer at breakfast and a few pitchers of beer for lunch. And, uh, he said he drank 15 pitchers of beer because he was worried about JBL beating him. JBL interrupts and said, the rules of the contest, they're going to go back and forth and then have one minute to drink as many beers as possible. And Austin doesn't want to turn his back on him. And JBL says something like, I ain't broke back mountain. I'm a real cowboy. And JR Interjects, not that there's anything wrong with that, which is the old Seinfeld line, uh, Austin lets out a knowing smile and says no comment to that line and finally Austin and JBL stand back to back JBL gets a head start and then pours beer down his chest rather than drinking it. Austin swigs, a few beers, then catches JBL cheating. And ask him, What the hell are you doing, son? For someone who has such a damn big mouth, you sure are missing it with that damn beer. And then they throw the beer into his face and jump out of the ring. And Chris Benoit comes into the ring, and Austin throws a few pitchers of beer at JBL. JBL slipping around, falls on his back several times. Benoit's laughing at this. Austin puts JBL's hat on him, gives him a stunner, salutes the crowd, and that's the end of the segment. Austin's on his game here, and JBL played a great foil for Austin. I'm sure these guys had a blast with this segment, right?
2: Yeah, but I'm just pissed off that that technically JBL won.
0: Oh, listen to you.
2: Well, he did. He finished more beer, got more beer out of them pitchers.
0: What's what's just saying? What's wrong with you?
2: Well, you know, I am just saying, in a real beer contest, I think that Steve would, would, would kind of kick JBL's ass cause JBL, would just kind of fall off a cliff at some point.
0: We should also mention the reason Ben here, as you could guess, I guess Benoit's going to be working with JBL for the U S title at WrestleMania in hindsight, should we have done something different to, to put over the whole Benoit JBL thing, or are you just, at, at the end of the day, you've got to find a spot for Austin right on NBC.
2: Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great way to use Steve. I mean, here, you, if you've got the star power, and you're able to use it. Fucking go for it.
0: Next up, we've got Trish and Mickey James beating Victoria and Candace, Michelle. They don't get a ton of time—only two forty-two. In fact, Ma- uh, Mickey never even tags into the match. Trish hits uh, satisfaction on Candace for the victory, and afterwards, Mickey acknowledged that Trish and herself should go their separate ways. But Mickey wants to say goodbye. She pulls Trish into the ring for a kiss, but Trish turns her cheek. Mickey hugs her some, but Trish shoves her away. Mickey then pauses and kicks Trish in the face. She hits stratus on Trish to add insult to injury. And, uh, Wade would say this was a watered down heel turn after months and months of buildup. Uh, but they took it to a higher level two nights later on raw quarter star. I liked this Mickey Trish feud and what it's setting up for their WrestleMania match. And I understand you probably want to get it to a fever pitch here in front of the biggest audience possible, but do you think that this, after such a long buildup was a bit of a letdown? What could you have done differently?
1: No, I
2: don't. I thought that it was a good story. And I think it was something that, you know, had a good culmination probably could have gone a little bit longer, but it was fresh and, and, and Mickey was fresh at the time and it was just a little different way to tell the story.
0: Why do you think Mickey James sort of gets glossed over in WWE wrestling history, one of the best performers, I mean, very consistent. She was an attractive girl who did everything asked of her as far as we read as fans and had good matches and had a pretty interesting character, but it feels like, I don't know. She just got lost in the shuffle at times. Was there something more to the story that we don't know?
2: No, I I don't think that she got glossed over. So, I mean, I think that's just a matter of opinion
0: opinion. Okay. I don't know. Just never feels like the company really got behind her. But I could be alone in that thinking. Uh, Mark Henry and Davari come out to the ring, and the crowd didn't really respond to either guy's promo. Henry's calling out the Undertaker for a confrontation. Undertaker's full ring entrance takes place, uh, and I guess you really need to get that on NBC because it's quite a spectacle. They get to a slugfest right away, and Taker gets a, a big early flurry, and then Henry's fighting back. And they're brawling at ringside. Taker sends Mark into the ring steps, and then kicks him into the crowd. And then he goes after Davari, gives him a choke slam and a tombstone into a casket at ringside. This is done to really cement and set up WrestleMania, of course, which will be between undertaker and Mark Henry. Was there ever any consideration to having Mark Henry be the guy to end the streak? Do you think?
2: Yeah, there definitely was. It was talked about. and, And, uh, you know, in hindsight, Mark early on had Mark probably caught on a little earlier and Mark caught on, you know, later in his career. And was coming into his own during this time. Mark might've been a great guy to beat the streak.
0: What about Devari here? I don't think we talk about him. I don't think Davari should have been one to beat the streak. (laughs) I agree. Devari, though. I feel like he's a bit of an unsung hero of sorts, because it feels like if you need to get some heat on a guy, whether it was Kurt angle earlier in this same year or here with Mark Henry, just sprinkle a little Devari on there. And boy, the fans are going to find a way to hate him somehow.
2: Yeah, I, and sign of the times more than anything, the bar knew how to get heat.
0: I hope you've been saving all the good stuff for the last here. It's our main event. It's Shawn Michaels and Shane McMahon. A few weeks before this, Sean was attacked and forced to kiss Vince McMahon's ass to build more heat for their WrestleMania match. Uh, any pushback from Sean about kissing Vince's ass? Literally.
2: Why would there be pushback? It was
0: polished. And we know who was doing the polishing Shane McMahon beats Richie Sean. Posner. <laughs> Shane, he, did. he had
2: the little ass buffer and everything.
0: When Vince sees Shane wrestle Sean on paper, this probably feels like, oh, God damn, both of my kids out there wrestling. I love it.
2: Ah, it's just one kid and then Sean.
0: Uh, it's an unofficial submission in 1645. Before the match, Jim Ross would say, Mr. McMahon is a tortured, godless soul who wants the same for his son. Michaels attacks uh, Shane on the stage before the bell. Shane took control and, with some help from Vince, slams Sean on a table at ringside. Shane climbs up a ladder in the ring, uh, but Michaels got up before Shane could jump. And after a few tense moments, Michaels superplexes Shane off the ladder and through the table below. Both guys are motionless as Vince McMahon nearly breaks down, seeing his son in this crumpled mess. And after a commercial, Shane has knocked out Michaels with a stiff chair shot to the face. Shane drags Michaels to one corner and sets him up for the Shane Daminator that spot with the uh, trash can. Michaels moves and Vince eats the trash can. Michael's made a full-fledged comeback at this point, including the nip up a series of punches, a body slam, and that famous top rope elbow. And then he connects with the sweet chin music. And just as the ref is about to count three, Vince yanks the ref out of the ring and attacks him. Vince then grabs or or Sean then grabs Vince from behind, throws him into the ring and Vince is trying to beg off. But of course, Shane comes back and hits Sean with a low blow from behind. And he puts Sean in the sharpshooter. Vince calls for the bell to ring and he orders Lillian Garcia to announce Shane, the winner of the match by submission. Of course, Ross is referencing the Montreal screw job saying Michael's has been castrated of his own dignity at the hand of the diabolical McMahon's and the show ends with the McMahon's laughing and celebrating. So we get some crazy stunts. We're heavy on story. We get a callback to a pretty famous moment in wrestling history. You saw this show for the first time in 15 years. What'd you think?
2: Oh, it was pretty damn entertaining. Actually. I, you know, I think that people look back at the mid two thousands as a coasting time. And really it was pretty fun shit. And it was an opportunity where we got some new talent over and guys that would go on many respects from John Cena's and Randy Orton's or Mysterios of the world for the next 10 years and, and really dominate that top spot. So when you go back and you look at, Hey, that's really the road, to this, I thought it was a, a damn fun show and had some
0: interesting, fun shit. What can you tell us about the main event? I give it two thumbs
2: up, Conrad.
0: I like it. Siskel and Ebert agree. What can you tell us about our main event here?
2: Well, you know, I... Uh,
0: Hmm. I don't
2: say I I just thought it was a little too much, but that's that's me. And Shawn Michaels can work with a broomstick and make everything look great and take Shane, who sometimes can be a whirlwind of energy and a whirling dervish and calm him down and and get him to slow down, big boy, Um, and make everything make sense. And when you look at that and you look at how they did it, and, uh, it was, it was just an awful lot of fun and got all your stories told A neat little wrapper.
0: When you're saying a little too much, you mean in terms of the lighters and tables and trash cans and all that?
2: Yes. But you you, know, I'm not a big fan of all that shit,
0: but don't you feel like they prop? they felt like they needed to do that a, because it's NBC and B because, well, that's kind of what Shane did. He did lots of gaga. Guy guy. He wasn't doing drop down toe holds.
2: No, I get that. And and I, and I understand why they think they needed that. I just think that they maybe needed half of it.
0: Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. what do you think of the, um, I don't know the chemistry between Sean and Shane in the match.
2: I, you know, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I didn't yeah. think that, um, really that, that Shane had the kind of chemistry with Sean. Sometimes it, it's just a little off. But I think that when you threw Vince back into it, you got back in a rhythm, but for some reason, I don't know that Sean and Shane ever really had the chemistry that Sean had with other guys.
0: Who would have helped put together this show in terms of, uh, mapping it out, like what each segment was and putting the matches together. I mean, I know the writing team at this point was sort of all over the place, but at at some point somebody runs. Point on the whole process. Who would that have been?
2: Well, Vince always runs point on it. It was, you know, through the writing team, and Stephanie was head of the writing team at this point. And you had, you know, myself. You had Michael, uh, Brian Gwirts, Ed Koski, Dave Kapoor. There were quite a few in there.
0: The show layout and format, I think, is really, really well done. Wouldn't you agree? Well, then I did it. I'm just saying, if you go back and you watch this in the context of it being sort of an infomercial to buy WrestleMania, everything went somewhere and everything was entertaining. Sometimes, you know, you're doing a month. I'm speaking as a fan, obviously, sometimes you're watching Monday night raw for three hours because it's what you did last week. You're not particularly excited one way or another. It's just, Hey, it's Monday night. This is what we do. This felt more than a TV show. It felt pay-per-view like almost but it had some TV show elements with some of the skits and segments. And I don't know. I thought it was a really quick show. And when you get to the end of the show and you say, man, that flew by that to me means, Hey, they did a good job formatting the show. Cause I'm done and I'm happy. And I kind of wish it was a little more.
2: Right. And, and the other, the other tweak and difference in this is we started hot and we ended hot. Yes. Traditionally in a Saturday night's main event, you would have started hot and you would have ended kind of on a whimper. You would have gone back and revisited what you did at the top here. We, we started hot and we ended hot and did that purposely to see if we could just keep that late night audience and keep them
0: engaged. Unfortunately, the show draws a 3.2 rating, which is a record low for Saturday night's main event. Were you disappointed in the rating? Was, was NBC disappointed in the rating? Is it, is this just as simple as we didn't have what they wanted to see Were people pointing fingers at, well, NBC didn't promote it enough. Or what was the thinking when the rating comes in?
2: A disappointment for sure. And I think that overall you kind of look at what the ratings were and, and what the ratings were starting to become, um, not the end all be all, but, it was also, uh, yeah, it, it just was a one-off. It wasn't a part of a series to where, hey, man, in three weeks, I'm going to get another Saturday night's main event. It was a one-off. You had to find it. And I don't know that uh, I'm not going to put the blame on NBC. I put the blame on us as well that not enough promotion and the right kind of promotion to drive people to Saturday night's main event I think that we were lacking there a little bit
0: before the rating comes in when, when the live camera goes off and everybody's in the back, getting ready to go home or getting dressed or in the gorilla or whatever the shit, what's the reaction Do you guys, did you feel like, oh man, we nailed it. And then you're yes, disappointed. I we had a
2: good show. Everybody did.
0: Yeah. Do you know if anything changed in regards to WrestleMania as a result of this show, we famously talk about plans change Conrad. And occasionally that is the case where it looks like we're going left and we wind up going right because this happened. Do you remember anything on this show in particular happening that changed what may or may not have happened at WrestleMania?
2: No, I really don't. I mean, it, it was, thank God. This is one of those that for the most part was a, was a rifle shot.
0: Boy, I know I'm in the weeds when I ask a question like this, but I know you monitored everything back then you were getting ratings uh, by the minute. I believe when, when you see the rating come out like this, does that affect the way you format a show like WrestleMania as far, as, far as boy ratings are really high for this, or if they're not as high for that, maybe we should adjust our match order or does something like that, not matter. I guess yeah. what I'm, what I'm driving at is triple H and John Cena are going on last would a rating here have impacted that one way or another?
2: Not even in the least. Okay. Not even. Yeah. Not a pimple on an ass.
0: I'm asking because obviously everybody wanted to know, you know what's what's the big belt? What's the prime? What's the A show? Because for years and years, people said, "Oh, the A shows Raw, the B shows SmackDown." I think you could argue it's the other way around now since it's on broadcast TV. But hell, even back then. UPN was still a broadcast channel, as was CW, even though obviously Fox is much bigger. Sure. But uh you have both title matches, sort of end WrestleMania 22, and you have the old uh, popcorn match or the let me up match, as you like to say, in between, which is Tori Wilson and Candace, Tori Wilson and Candace Michelle. Ray, Randy Orton, and Kurt Angle are third from the top because of that Playboy match, and then Cena and Triple H finish. But the three-way only gets nine minutes and 19 seconds. I know we're not talking about WrestleMania 22, but we are talking about the build, the rumor in innuendo is that they didn't think Ray was perhaps a big enough star and had enough marquee power to carry a singles match. So they inserted Randy Orton into that match and made it a three-way. Was that a fair assessment of how they felt about Ray at the time or not so much?
2: No, it was for more star power. Yes. But, but not due to lack of star power, it's build it up, make it better. If there's an opportunity to make, to make it better make it better.
0: And as we said, it's uh it's not the last match out. Is that that big of a deal who goes on last when it's WrestleMania in your opinion, I know uh, I it don't really look-
2: depends. I don't think that it, you know, I, I think that when you look at the show and if you have a good performance in your slot. Every slot has an opportunity to steal the show.
0: Well, I'm hoping that we get to steal the show this year at uh, WrestleMania because people are excited, Bruce, that uh, WrestleMania is going to have a different look and feel this year, not all the way back to normal, but closer and getting there. Are you, I know we don't talk about current stuff, but are you nervous, anxious, excited as we get closer to WrestleMania season here in 2021?
2: I'm excited. Can't wait. You know, it's uh, every day is a new adventure and who knows what the norm is going to be tomorrow, much less in six weeks.
0: Well, I'm pretty excited because we are going to talk a lot of WrestleMania coming up here on the show. We should remind you, we've got undertaker 98, 99 coming your way, uh, after WrestleMania, we're going to have uh, an opportunity to talk a little Lita, but before WrestleMania to get you going, get you in the mood, if you will, We're going to talk about WrestleMania 12 and WrestleMania 22. Of course, WrestleMania 22 is the follow-up show from this Saturday night's main event, which is why we covered it today. Uh, and I do want to briefly run down that card, but before I do, uh, what was WrestleMania 24 most or 12 rather most notable for to you, Bruce, personally, WrestleMania 12, 12. Wow. Anaheim 1996, Getting married. There you go. I knew you were going to say that. That's always my takeaway now when I think about WrestleMania 12. You. That's how married. I think of
2: it.
0: Yeah. So we're going to talk about a little bit about Bruce's wedding, and of course, a lot about WrestleMania 12. But it's Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart in the Iron Man match, uh, the most overrated main event in the history of WrestleMania. So we're going to argue about that. Uh, and then we'll talk about Undertaker and Diesel, who's on his way out. The Ultimate Warrior. Beat Hunter Hearst Helmsley in a minute thirty nine. So boys and girls, Hunter lost at a WrestleMania, and it only took a minute. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin in there with Savio Vega. They're going to do their best to steal the show. Roddy Piper in there with gold dust. They're doing a Hollywood backlight brawl that people still talk about to this day. And it's interesting that it could have been Scott Hall's spot. Uh, and then we've got a six man tag: British Bulldog Owen Hart and Vader on one side with uh, Jim Cornette in their corner. On the other side, Ahmed Johnson, Jake Roberts, and Yokozuna. Getting Mr. Fuji a little payday as well. And believe it or not, your brother right here with the Godwins in the free for all match. That's for WrestleMania 12. WrestleMania 22, though, we've basically previewed here today. Uh, but the undercard has Big Show and Kane teaming up against Carlito and Chris Masters. Uh, we've also got uh, Rob Van Dam winning the Money in the Bank ladder match against a whole host of folks Bobby Lashley, Fit Finley, Matt Hardy, Ric Flair, and Shelton Benjamin. Uh, JBL will work with Benoit edge will work with Foley in a hardcore match that people still see clips of the boogeyman will be there wrestling Booker T and Charmel in an intergender handicap match, Mickey James in there with Trish Stratus in an edited WWE network match, Uh, the undertaker in a casket match with Mark Henry, a no holds barred match with Mr. McMahon and Shawn Michaels, the three-way for the world heavyweight championship with angle Orton and Mysterio that playboy pillow fight. And of course, John Cena beating triple H in the main event in a long match, 22 minutes and two seconds, both coming your way. I- I'm looking forward to covering both WrestleManias, but is there one you look forward to more than the other out of those two?
2: Probably 12. Me too. Greatest Iron Man match ever.
0: Well, no argument there. Uh, undertaker 98, 99. I'm almost shared to, I'm almost scared to share the notes with you because it's maybe our longest format ever. I kind of thought if we just broke Undertaker down into two years, it would be manageable, but Holy shit. He did a lot of stuff in 98,
2: 99. Yeah. Maybe a 98 in that it may be a '99.
0: <laughs> We're also working on uh, Trish Stratus. We've got a, uh, Saturday night's main event coming to you. Maybe Bruce's very last one, uh, from April of 91 in your house, seven good friends, better enemies, and boy, I can't wait until we talk about backlash. Oh six. Do you remember that match? No. How about, uh, Vince and Shane against Sean and God, God, <laughs>
2: God didn't have a chance.
0: Well, that's it, man. I'm i uh, I'm running out of things to talk about here today. We, you talked about this Saturday night's main event. We both gave it a thumbs up. I recommend it, especially if you're going to stick around and watch WrestleMania 22 with us. I think you should watch this before you do that. It really sets the tone. I thought it was a good effort, especially when you consider the disappointing rating of a 3.2. Anything else you want to touch on or anybody you want to shout out? Anybody else have a, a surgery or a gallbladder or something missing? We want to plug chat me up.
2: No, I'm going to show, I'm going to show you. see, we're going to switch FaceTime. I'll show you my new pictures and in the office afterwards.
0: Well, you know, we're still technically doing a podcast. If you want to say anything to our listeners before we let them go.
2: I love them. I love all of our listeners. Our listeners are the greatest listeners in the entire world. Without them, we wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't be doing a lot of the things I'm doing. And I don't lose that fact uh, any day. And uh, I'm greatly appreciative. And you know, I love our lovers. I love our lovers. I love, I love I lo- our listeners. I love them listen to lover. our listeners.
0: I'm going to hit Control Alt Delete on Bruce. And we'll see you next <laughs> week right here on Something to Wrestle with, mm, Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. Psst. Hey, what if I had a secret? You could pay off your credit cards. You could pay off your car. You could even retire 13 years earlier. It's not a secret, baby. It's SaveWithConrad.com. Come on. Ask Toby in Edmond, Oklahoma. He left us a five-star review and wrote Conrad's team was able to do everything I hoped for to helped me reduce my mortgage term by 13 years. Think about that folks. 13 years. Now there's 12 house payments, of course, in a year, duh. And if you're doing 13 years, that's 156 payments. You know what your mortgage payment is. Multiply it in your calculator by 156. That's how much old Toby saved. Not only that, he wrote, they paid off my car, my credit cards, and dropped my interest rate significantly. So let's recap. If you could go ahead and pay your house off 13 years faster, and oh, by the way, pay your car off with a greater tax deduction and a cheaper interest rate, and get rid of your credit cards and their high interest rates and get a greater tax deduction there and also reduce your overall interest rate, how do you lose? You don't. This is a win-win-win situation. And that's what we believe in at SaveWithConrad.com. And oh, by the way, if you have a car loan, if you have credit card debt, not only is the interest rate higher than what you'd be paying if you went to SaveWithConrad.com, it's not tax deductible. You get to write off your mortgage interest. You don't get to write off that interest on your car. You can't write off interest on your credit cards, but you can on your mortgage. So why wouldn't you get a better rate on your mortgage? Cut the years down, get rid of the car payment, get rid of the credit cards, Retire faster by retiring your debt faster. We can run the numbers for you and your family right now at First Family. Just go to SaveWithConrad.com. That's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention no house payments for two months? It's SaveWithConrad.com.
1: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, together.